What is up? What is good, homies? How you living? Lefko Show, and we are live inside of the Caesar Sportsbook, where I am about to get my degenerate on. And as soon as I get off this set, I am laying down future bets out the wazoo. I have a very special guest coming up in just a little bit. That's why this seat is empty. I'm excited to tell you who is going to be there, but I'd rather show you in a second. But first, before we get into it, uh, I want to give out a shout out to all the homies watching on YouTube, listening to the podcast. If you signed up for the LFGL, the Let's Frickin' Go League, a.k.a. the Lefko Football Gridiron League, got over 1,200 people signed up to play fantasy football. If you haven't heard from a commissioner yet, you got to hit up William Ezel. Go on Instagram at WGE2. He'll make sure that you get into the league you need to get. Also, with the bets, my man Crack is out there. We've had him on the podcast many times. He's going to help me make my future bets, as is Warren Sharp. And on the podcast coming out Thursday, I will share with you guys all of my tickets as I put them up into the studio. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Hard knocks, Antonio Brown, helmets, it's wild, but I think I'd like to introduce my guest because I want to hear what he has to say about it as well. So please, in the beautiful city of Las Vegas, Nevada, a man that has a Heisman Trophy, a man that captivated the nation and its hearts and minds and had LeBron and Drake becoming his best friend, and today he's about to become a member of the 33%. I want to lift up that door, and it's time for Johnny Frickin' Football. Can I get a round of applause for Johnny Football, please? Oh, man. How are you, pal? Man, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. Is it, is it still Johnny Football? Is it John? I think you should rebrand and come back as Jack Football. And just, and just throw everybody throw a loop. Yeah, I think I already did the, the throw everybody for a loop a little bit. You've so. done enough of that before? Yeah, probably so. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch you walk out here. And I, I'm upset. Because I want to see what it's like. Is it like a sea parting? Like, what is it like for you at this point? Uh, but this Especially point, in it, Vegas. It's probably a little bit more chill these days. But Vegas is always a good time. You never know who you're going to run into. I mean, I'm sure people are saying that about you, though. I'm yeah. sure they're like, holy crap, I was in Caesars, and then Johnny Manziel walked out. Yeah, I was walking by this podcast as I was going to place a sports gamble. Yeah, and yeah. Just say, you know, I saw the Johnny Manziel guy. What is this city like for you? Uh, good memories in this city. I love Vegas. Uh, this city can be as wild as your imagination really Man. wants it to be. You, you've experienced things that, I mean, I'm sure people come up to you and they just say, what's the craziest thing you've ever experienced? Like, what's the most common question about that time of your life that you get? Probably, uh, you know, who would you want to meet or who haven't you met yet? And I'm right. kind of like, you know what? I, I kind of went after that and tried to meet everybody that I could possibly could, especially when I was in college and um, around that time. It was social media. It was easy. I talked to a, talked to a ton of people and met a lot of people. So, you know, it's been uh, it's been really cool. Was it DM sliding? Was that like? I mean, it was anything like from was that. Drake. Did it start from the DMs? Uh, that that just came from just uh, just kind of a, just a fluke relationship of just buying you know hoodies on a website. He noticed my name and and ended up um, talking to one of his boys and, and creating a relationship from there. And it's funny looking back seven years later and you know hearing a song about it and, and being able to you know reach out to a guy I consider a friend. So so you're you never telling know. me you went on the OVO website, bought a hoodie. 
they saw Johnny Manziel on the shipping address and said, I'm going to reach out to this guy. Yeah, they pretty much said, uh, you know, we appreciate you supporting the brand and buying. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in your position who would probably DM us or ask for free things. And, yeah. You know, it was just something that I liked and something that I was going to support whether anything came out of it or not. You still right? No, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not going anywhere. Let me see. Can I see it? Man. I remember when you got that man and people were freaking out. You, everything you did, people freaked out. That was definitely a thing back in the day, for sure. Yeah. Was it a point where you were like, hey, guys, I'm going to put out an Instagram video. Want to see the news cycle change for a day? I I would. uh, I had this thing um, with my friends when I was in college where if anybody kind of got on my bad side or, you know, came at me the wrong way a little bit, I would um, tweet their phone number out just on Twitter (laughs) and kind of make it seem like it was supposed to be a DM, but send it to all my followers um, and they would probably have to change their phone number. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Their phone would just blow up for the rest Man. of the day. I have friends that didn't change their number that still have people calling them asking if it's me years later at this point. Um, the power that you have, I mean, it was, I've never seen anything like this. Like, I, we were talking about this back there, but like the Antonio Brown stuff that's going on right now, let's talk about someone other than you really quick. What do you think about all this? With the helmet and everything that's been going on, as someone that knows what it's like to be in the middle of something like this, what do you? What is your take on this whole Antonio Brown thing? Yeah, I think there's just uh, there's certain things that the media likes to get a hold to a little bit, and uh, you know they they have to have a story and they have to make it a big deal. You know, I think you know, obviously him missing some time has been a big deal for the Raiders. Sure. You know, him not being there, him like we spoke about earlier, being the spark for that team, and and really. Um, a staple for what they need to try and go and, and have a big year. They want him there, but you know, at the end of the day, for me, you know, he's comfortable with the helmet. It's it's a weird change for him, obviously, and it's caused some problems. But that's some, awesome. Someone there was a there. goal in the Man United game, and those guys are excited about it. One nothing, Man U. To, to that point, though, Antonio Brown goes on television, and I would say ninety percent of these people are going to go, "He's crazy." They're gonna they're gonna project it on him. You watch it and you go, you try and see through it, I would imagine. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you want to see both sides of it a little bit. You obviously look at the Raiders side of it. They want him there. You know, they paid for, their, paid for him to be there, paid for him to get him there. And, you know, he's a huge piece to, to them wanting to go win their division and try and get to the playoffs and, and make a push. He, he is that piece for them. But for Antonio Brown, he wants to feel like he's safe and comfortable and be able to go out and perform at his best. And obviously to him, the helmet makes a little bit of a difference. All right. I want to get back to you. What, where are you at right now? What do you want to do? Like, what's what's John Manziel 2.0? Like, where are you at right now? You know, I'm just kind of just taking things slow. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying you know the opportunities that are coming my way, whether it's coming out here and doing something like this, sure. or um, just kind of enjoying the summer a little bit. You know, I'm keeping myself in good shape and just waiting for the next opportunity and just trying to be patient um, and, and whatever that is. I saw you went. Was it Canadian Football League and then AAFL? And I saw you had the note to all the football players, which was, keep all the money you got. You're not getting any more checks. Like, I felt like everybody, the house was falling, and you were like, I've seen stuff like this before. What was that experience being in the AFL, and did you think it could work, or did it always seem like it was going to come crashing down? No, I thought it was a, I thought it was a, a great thing. Uh, you know, I was there for two weeks, and just, you know, it was just bare bones getting back to the basics of football, and... and you know, guys who hadn't had very much experience with the NFL and hadn't got a chance to be in a training camp, um, which I was fortunate enough to be in for two years, um, they don't know the nature of the business like that. And when you come from college and, and get into the next league of, of playing and money comes into it and there's everything else, um, 
you don't always know better and and a lot of guys there were just expecting this to last for for the end of it and very quickly going out to practice and then being told to come back in and then it it disappeared you know at the blink of an eye you know these guys are you know expecting three or four more checks sure game checks and and more money that they're going to use to go into the off season thinking they're getting ready for next season yeah Uh, and and that disappeared like that so you went out to the practice field and they said guys come back in yeah it was kind of a just a weird uh, little bit of setup walking pads on walking to practice for the day and it's kind of just a weird um, weird feeling kind of around the locker room. Some guys were there. It wasn't in a packed house like it normally was. And, uh, yeah, pretty much, hey, we're going to have a team meeting called up. The league was, was dissolved within, you know, really 24 to 48 hours. That's wild. So what did you do? Um, I ended up staying in Memphis for another week and then, and then um, heading back to Texas. But, you know, I got a chance to – I was in a really cool quarterback room. I had Christian Hackenberg and, you know, um, Brandon and a couple of the rest of the guys that were in there that I really liked. So, you know, before they took off, we hung out, played some golf for the next couple yeah. of days, enjoyed some time together before we all went our separate ways. So um, I, I thought the league had a lot of potential. I thought it had a um, – I think it has a place still to this day. You know, there, uh, a lot of people don't understand. There's so many guys out there that, you know, there's 2,900 people on rosters right now um, in the NFL. And in a matter of two weeks, that's about to be cut down. Into, and it's guys that we've all heard of. Oh, yeah. It's guys that we know will fight for the roster spots. But every year we have a few more thousand guys coming into the league. And is it – because I think everyone's going to now root for the XFL to work too. How many guys are there? And then how do they keep that dream alive? Because I'm sure you reach a point too where you're like, it's just over, man. Like I just can't do it anymore. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean every year, like you said, there's another thousand guys coming in and then – you know, four or five years before, there's guys that are still hanging on, getting pushed out. So, you know, it's up to you and, and, and how much you really feel that you have a chance to keep going and keep playing. And I think leagues like the XFL and the AAF give people more hope and more chance because the more film you get at that point, the more time you get on a field to show somebody something, the, the better your chances are getting into the NFL. Have you had doubts in this journey? Uh, maybe along the lines a little bit just at times, but, you know, I feel my situation has been unique, and, and if I can continue to play and continue to try and yeah. you know, just get film and get better and, and get as many reps as I can, that's, that's what's best for me. I need you in Houston for the XFL. Like, what do I need to do to, like, rally up the troops that, like, to get you on this team? You know, I don't really know what it's going to take. You know, I'm just kind of waiting, sitting back, and letting things you want play it, themselves out. Uh, I want to continue to play, yeah. yes. For sure. Um, can I go? You get drafted, out of Cle- you get drafted to Cleveland. In your mind, were you like, I know you sent the text to Dow Logans, we're going to wreck this league. Were you in your mind like, I'm going to fucking be the guy that takes the Cleveland Browns to the promised land? Like, from the very beginning, did you believe that? Um, I, I knew it was going to be, um, it wasn't going to be the, the quickest turnaround, you know, ever. You know, as I get into a training camp, I saw just from where I was at, just from a football standpoint, my knowledge of the game. Um, coming from college to the NFL was a huge, huge difference. You know, what you have to, to know and, and learn to get ready for an NFL game. Did you have game. an oh shit moment that first training oh, camp? Uh, of course. Uh, you, you sit there and you're going through protections and all these guys are blitzing, blitzing and there's seven DBs on the field and you're just trying to point, you know, who yeah. the Mike linebacker is. You know, you definitely sit back and get a little bit overwhelmed and maybe discouraged at times. I, uh, I had heard that in that Buffalo game, that last drive, I heard the plays were coming in the helmet pretty much like, hey, 
look to the guy on the left, look to the guy on the right. Like, that's how quickly it was moved. That you kind of just got thrown in there. That it was like, we're going to talk this out in your helmet. As we, I think it was Kyle Shanahan. As we, like, what, what, what happened on that drive? Because I remember you scored, and everyone's like, here we fucking go. What happened on that drive, though? Yeah, I remember I called the first play backwards, and half the guys were rolling out on a rollout to the left. I'm rolling out to the right and ended up just throwing it away. It was just kind of one of those you know, nervous jitters of getting into yeah. the game for the first time, I think, in an NFL game. But. Um, Kyle did a great job of, of helping me um, really understand things and try and slow it down and make it as easy as possible. He was sure. amazing. And is it true that he was kind of in there being like, throw to the guy to the left, throw yeah, to the he, guy to the right? Kyle was the kind of guy that um, not a lot of people know this about Kyle Shanahan, but he is probably by far the most knowledgeable football guy I've ever been around, just whether it's coaching. He could coach the O-line, the tight ends, the running backs, the receivers, and the quarterbacks yeah. all at the same time, whether it be technique, um, or just little things and little nuances. He, he's just been around the game for so long that he knows almost every part of it. Bro, I'm sure you came in, and the first offensive mind you meet is Kyle Shanahan, and you're like, the NFL is crazy because he's like a wizard. It's like him, McVay, Peyton, McDaniels, and then like and Andy Reid, and then like everybody else. But I'm sure you met him, and he's telling you things, and he's like, it'll be open, trust me. Yeah, no, he was that kind of way. He he was, you know, you saw him, you know, at his time throughout the league where he's one of those guys that'll put his hands up before the you know the, the balls even snap just based off coverage and alignment and you know one person being out of alignment just a little bit so that's how detailed it comes down to when it gets to that having been in that city and having been a star in that city how do you think this works with odell just a person of his energy in cleveland yeah i think odell gets a bad rap at times you know, i think him being in new york always being in the spotlight you know, i think he at times probably gets a little emotional and lets it get to him a little bit, but I think him being in Cleveland now, um, even with all the craziness of him being there and, and the hype that they do have, I think um, he'll be able to handle it really, really well, and I think they're, they're you know, poised for a good run, for success, for sure. When you're the biggest fish in a small pond like that, like when you're in Cleveland, like are there restaurants you can go to where like you leave your apartment and it's like mass hysteria? Yeah, it was, it was, you know, Saturdays or Sundays as, as you have home games and things like that, you kind of know your surroundings a little bit. But, you know, for the most part, you know, it is kind of a pretty quiet town during yeah. the, the, the early days of the week and, you know, outside of having home games. Um, you know, when I was there, LeBron was still there just getting back as well. So the hype and craziness of the city was even more. Of the LeBron and the Drakes and all that, was there a moment, whether it was a party, an event, uh, courtside somewhere, that you look back and you were like, damn, man, that was, that was a hell of a ride? Yeah, I mean, I still look back and, and you know, think about things and laugh a little bit at times, some things I got yeah, to do. Yeah, what makes you laugh the most? Um... You know, just just the wildness of it all. You know, I'm from a town of twenty thousand people, pretty small, and then you know, in the whole country of Texas, you know, just to be able to get to the stage, being able to come here and do things like this, are still surreal for me at times. So it's it's still, you know, just all of it in general is is crazy to think of. Um, you know, where I was from high school, being there five years later, doing some some really cool things. All right, I need you to walk me through. You walk into a restaurant. How does everybody in the restaurant change? Because you experience something that none of us will ever experience. You walk in and human beings react. Like, do you notice people start whispering? Like, or are you just completely oblivious to it all? You know, at times I probably keep my head down a little bit and just try and cruise through and just get a meal or just chill um, like anybody else would. I, you know, I'm walking into a restaurant yesterday and, and just kind of peek my head up to look for a seat. And a, and a lady literally 
puts her finger right in my face and says my name out loud <laughs> um, in front of the whole restaurant. So it's kind of, you know, hit or miss depending on where I'm at a little bit sure. at times. And then what about the creepy motherfuckers that are like recording you on the low? Can you feel it? Oh, absolutely. Like, that was always my issue with what was happening with you. It's like, who are these dudes? Like, low-key recording you at a pool party and stuff. Yeah, we could be uh, somewhere like that, and there's thousands of girls around everywhere, right? And there's just guys that want to come up to other guys and yeah. take pictures and put it on the internet right away. So, you know, it's, it's funny. People are wired a little bit is differently. It, is it still a things. thing, or has that gone away? Um, it's, it's, I kind of keep myself away from it a little bit, you know, now, and try and hide away from it a little bit just because of... You know, problems that I've run into in the past. I've just tried yeah. to learn from some of the past situations and navigate through them better. It's just bullshit because you're getting this transactional thing with humans where people are running up to you and they're like, I need your photo for my Instagram. Of course. I need your photo for my likes. And it, that's got to eventually take away the human nature part of it completely. Oh, it, it does. I think, you know, athletes at times aren't even looked at like that anymore. You know, they're, they're just public figures to, in, in a sense and not really... You know, just going out with your family or going to eat or just doing yeah. normal things as anybody else does on a daily basis. Like, I'm sure you had moments with, like, Drake and LeBron where you were like, I actually feel comfortable here because these guys get what I'm going through right now. Yeah, of course. Which is wild to think of a guy from a 20,000-person town. You have more in common with Drake and LeBron than the dudes you grew up down the street from. I mean, I was definitely still the small fish in, with, oh, around man. those guys for sure. But, you know, I definitely got to see a lot of things um, just being around them, how they move, how they handle the whole situation. Um, you know, they're pretty pretty good at their routine of getting in and out and, and eliminating the problems that come from, you know, just, just being in that role and being who they are. Speaking of a guy that's eliminating problems, very excited for your, your buddy Josh Gordon right now. He, in my mind, is in this perfect situation in New England. Tom Brady, calming force. Belichick, never going to waver. You know this guy. Where do you think we are with Josh? Because I'm all in. I believe that he's turning the corner right now. Do you see that as well? Yeah, I I have all the faith in the world in Josh. I saw something yesterday. I think Josh Gordon is averaging the most yards per catch um, from Tom Brady over anybody that's ever played with him, over Gronk, over Randy that's Moss, wild. over anybody. And he you know, only got to play a handful of games where he really got in and got a chance to play um, you know, as much as he probably wants or is accustomed to. But you know, I have all the faith in the world in, in JG, especially now that you know, he's back, he's being reinstated, and especially where he's at, you know, with the type of team he's at, the yeah. way they run the organization I think is, is good for him. And you know, they haven't really wavered on him, you know, you especially guys, since he disappeared last year. They still stuck around on him. Were you and Josh living together? Uh, Josh and me spent some time together in the offseason in 2016 for probably three or four months. And, um, you know, in Cleveland, we were, you know, together quite a bit. So, sure. you know, a, a good friend and a guy that I still you know, care about to this day and hope he does, you know, really well. I had Austin Hooper from the Falcons on and he was talking about plays in practice that Julio Jones would make that they would just eventually became normal but beginning their mouths were on the floor what was your your first oh shit moment with how incredible josh gordon was hey just look at how big he is and and just the way he's able to just you know he's got that ability and that height that that you just don't see from a lot of people and luckily i I got a chance to be around mike evans when i was in college so i got to see some things um but you know him and him and josh gordon are just those guys are special i really want like a play whether it's josh gordon or mike evans whichever one comes first where you saw it in practice and you went that's not a human that's a cyborg yeah no uh, our mine and mike's redshirt freshman year before we ever even played a game at a&m um we got to a point where 
you know, we were doing really, really well in practice on scout team against our first team defense uh, my red shirt year. And he would just do things that were just regularly, just going up, back shoulder, one-handed catches and just sticking it like it's nothing. This guy's 17 years old at the time. And it only played two years of football. And now you look at Mike Evans and you go, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me one bit. No. Do you, where do you put him in terms of NFL wide receivers? I put him in, a, I put him, you know, in the top five always. Uh, from what he's done, he's hardly missed any games. He's had 1,000 yards in every single re- season he's been in the league. Um, I think he's probably, you know, one of the most underrated guys in the league. But he goes out every year. He has 1,000 yards. He has seven, eight touchdowns and, and consistency. That's what he's brought for the last five or six years he's been in the league. Um, so I got to admit, I'm, I'm getting ready and I'm, I'm looking up. I mean, this is all shit about you. And I'm, I'm reliving all of these different things that you went through. But candidly, like, I don't really want to fucking bring them up to you. But they're so, it was captivating, bro. Like it was, it was going to Vegas and dressing up like Billy. You know what I mean? With like the, the wig and all that stuff. And like. It was the most entertaining shit I've ever seen. And so the whole time, I'm, I'm like, I'm a little bit older than you. And the whole time I'm going, man, if I was an NFL star, I would want to be partying too. Like I, the whole time I was like, if I was in my 20s, I'd want the full superstar experience. And I think not until I started hearing uh, Rosenhaus coming out and they were, they were sort of like, we're concerned about you. But the whole time I was like, yo, Johnny, do your fucking thing, man. Were you, I mean, I'm sure you were like, I- I've earned this for a long time, too. Was that, I mean, that wasn't really a question. I'm just kind of curious. No, it, uh, it, it just got to a point where, you know, the main thing was, was football. And, you know, there was always, there's always that four or five months in the offseason where you do get a, a chance to wind down and get a break and get away. Um, I think there's just a time and place for it. And, you know, during the season, you know, I, I should have had a little bit more accountability to the guys that were in the locker room and the guys that were around and, and had been in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, I look back on it probably with a lot of regrets at times. And um, but, but you learn from your mistakes and you learn what you go through. You know, I was a, a young kid who probably could have, you know, really used a couple years that I had left in college. Um, I, I probably rushed into that a little bit. And looking back at it now, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I had a a lot of people around me that could have helped me if I would have just listened. You know, you're at that point where you're young and, and you don't always want to listen. And, you know, sitting back today at 26 years old, as I look back on things, you know, you have regrets, you have things you wish you would have done different, but nevertheless, you just kind of keep keep moving forward and keep going. At the same point, I think you're going to be wiser than ever because I think nobody learns shit unless you go through shit. And you've seen you've seen people that pretended to love you and you also saw people turn their back on you. Of course. Like, I bet you learned a lot about your people really quick. Oh, there's a lot of people that were around every single day that, that I haven't heard from, uh, you know, in a long time as things started to change. And, you know, that's okay. I still, uh, I still have a lot of people that, you know, were there at the beginning and still are now. So, yeah. I mean, I th- and not a lot of people get to experience that. A yeah, lot no. of people, they, they go through their whole lives thinking that that's their day ones. Of course. And they don't even show up for the big things, you know? Yeah. Uh, how tight's your circle right now? Pretty small, uh, as small as it's probably ever been. You know, I've really constricted that and really just kind of, you know, tightened it up even more than I ever have in the past. Uh, just like I'm doing right now, people bring up your past, you relive it. I know that you've been through uh, a lot of, of mental work and all that. Um, was was there a moment, whether it was talking to somebody or someone spoke to you, where it clicked, or has it just been growth over time? It's probably been a little bit of growth over time, and I think it's just been a little bit of. 
just trying to tell myself that you know I don't always know what's best and it's okay to ask for help a little bit at times I, I want you to know too that like I'm saying all this shit judgment free I'm, I'm someone that I'm going to go to the tables I'm going to hit it hard I'm someone that I drink uh, I smoke I do what I do what I do um, but the amount of times that I look at myself in the mirror and need discipline or I go to people and I, I crave authenticity I appreciate you because you're human and I know that you were doing your podcast before and you're willing to talk to people about it as you talk about your past does it reinforce your future um, may, maybe a little bit as, as I go back I think it just kind of helps move forward in the decisions that I make a little bit I guess I, think I know that you wouldn't thing. change it for anything um, you know, I, I, I might. You know, there's things I wish I would have probably just listened a little bit more instead of being as stubborn as I was at times. But, and you know, the, the, the world we live in and the way the world works is you don't get a chance to go back and do it differently. So, you know, you do get that one shot. You know, hopefully moving forward you get another opportunity and you don't do the same thing you did before. Still want to play football. Still on the horizon. Media. Are you still doing the podcast? Um, we'll see. Okay. If... Let's say, let's say you get into, how about this, you get back in the NFL and you have a few more years and you enjoy it and then you're able to put football to rest. You're a young dude, bro. Where do you, have you thought about next? Have you thought about future? You know, I haven't as, as much as I, I, you know, I might should at this time just because I'm you know, trying to now. stay focused and enjoying, yeah. enjoying what is now. And I, I feel in the past I've um, kind of out grown myself a little bit as far as like where my thinking is i've looked down the road down the road down the road and missed some things that are happening now uh how are you keeping yourself in shape right now who are you training with who are you working out with yeah just pretty much the same schedule that i'm on every off season a little bit just kind of just keeping the same routine and um you know I, i've learned a good routine learned what it is and especially not being in i know what guys are doing right now what camps like you obviously can't recreate that no matter yes. what you do but you know you still stay on top of it and still try and keep a good schedule as you look around the nfl which teams do you really like right now just fan manzel who sticks out to you you know i i really think this is going to be a good year for the cowboys you feeling it i like the cowboys you're a cowboys fan at heart right yeah you know i, I have been but i just i just feel like uh you know, they're finally getting to the point where they're getting over that hump. I feel like they've made some moves on defense that, that they haven't made in the past. It's maybe been a little bit of Travis their weakness. Frederick is back at center. Back at center. Robert they got Quinn him back will be healthy. back after the suspension. Yeah, Zach Martin, they have a great offensive serious. line. You know, we'll see what happens with the Zeke and, and yeah, situation. He, as, as someone that I remember you were like, I want to play for the Cowboys at one point during your career. Uh, Jerry came out after Tony Pollard did well in the preseason game and said, Zeke who? That got back to Zeke. And Zeke and his, his agent, I guess, are upset about it. We all talk about how they built the offense around Zeke. And I always wonder, why is Jerry still talking? Like, he's a billionaire, and I don't want to question him too much. But at the same point, like, why are these negotiations happening out front? I, how do you think this ends with Zeke? Uh, you know, I think, I think the Cowboys probably have no choice at the end of the day but to pay him. And hopefully that he's not asking for too much to where it you know, hinders them signing what they want to do with the rest of their team offensively. You, know, you, you have three guys who all need to get signed and only so much money that they have to do it, especially with you know, paying a couple guys on the O-line what they pay them, paying a D-end what they pay them. You know, so there's only so much money to go around. So it, it'll be interesting. I'm curious to see if, if they can sign all three, especially with guys who are trying to you know, max out you know, their deals right now Dak and get paid. 40? Yeah, I think I think that could probably be a little bit, you know, blown out of proportion. I don't know if there is a quarterback right. in the league right now who could probably get to forty outside of Patrick Mahomes, and that's just you know you're two years in, 
um, you win an MVP, you're going to command some dollars for sure. Did you have any crossover with any, like, how many NFL starting quarterbacks right now in that SEC days were you battling with? Um, I don't know if there are any SEC quarterbacks that are still Or just from, like from, when you were going to college. There. Um, high school quarterback, um, you know, I, I, Garrett Gilbert played in the AAF, is now back up in Cleveland with Baker. Those are yeah. two Lake Travis guys that you know, played against in high school. Um, me and Patrick Mahomes are actually from pretty much the same hometown, you know, wow. five, five minutes apart. So, you know, I grew up, knew, knew who Pat was, him and my dad, or his dad and my dad were, were good friends. Um, as I was growing up, so it's awesome to watch. You ever him. see like little Pat Mahomes doing some wild stuff? Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to watch him play. Um, I, I moved um, to closer to San Antonio, but I definitely heard about him. Definitely watched. I was going to say like Texas. Like I'm sure there's rumors. Like have you seen this kid down there at Westlake? He's oh, of course, incredible. of course there is. So, so Pat Mahomes was like kind of coming up for a while. No, of course. And then you always check and see who's getting recruited, or at least I do. Who's sure. who's going to you know from Texas to other Texas schools to play college ball and. You know, his name popped up going to Tech and, you know, obviously, you know, known his dad for, for years before that and, and him a little bit. So, you know, it was great to see the success he had. That's probably, um, you know, the team that I'll follow the most this year. What about Baker coming up? Because everybody compared Baker to you. It was like the easy comparison, similar height, similar hair color, like everything. Were you hearing about him as a young dude in Texas growing so we, up too? We, we played Lake Travis um, where – Garrett Gilbert and, and Baker um, went to school and, you know, missed playing him by a year. But, you know, you, they always had quarterbacks coming up every year. It was Garrett Gilbert and then Michael Brewer ended up playing at Virginia Tech and Texas Tech. Um, and then Baker came up right after that. And then, you know, the list of D1 guys they had come out of there was um, was yearly, every year. So, you know, Baker, I think he's put himself in a great position, especially where he's at with the guys they have around him. And, and it'll be fun to watch. Who is the best quarterback in the NFL right now? Um, I still, I'm still a big Aaron Rodgers guy. I still think his mechanics, the way he throws the ball, how quick he's able to get it out of his hands, is is like something that that nobody else in the league does. It's funny you say that. This is what Aaron Rodgers said about you before the draft. He said, "I like Johnny Football. I like that he doesn't apologize for what happened." He was a 20-year-old kid who was enjoying life. He had some more opportunities financially with his family growing up, which allowed him in college because of the bizarre extra benefit rules do some pretty cool things, and he didn't apologize. Even back then, Aaron Rodgers was standing for you. Yeah, no, I think that was my attitude about things back then, and you know, it paints probably a little bit of a target on your back when you don't apologize, but at the end of the day, that's how it was, and that's how it went. And that's how Aaron is, too. And Aaron gets in trouble for a lot of the personal stuff as well, but he goes out there, he handles his business, and he lives life the way he wants to live it. 100%. So you put him number one. What is your, who's your number one quarterback all time? Ooh, all time. Um, as far as, are we, are we talking about the greatest quarterback of all time, or are we talking about my favorite to watch? Um, I want to know your favorite. Favorite? I want to know the greatest, and I want to know the most talented, because I think those two are different. Yeah, my, my favorite quarterback of all time is Mike Vick, ha- hands down. Um, watching him play for the Falcons and even into the Eagles a little bit, but especially the Falcons I was growing up, I think I wore a different Mike Vick jersey to school probably every, Michael Vick every, every experience. single day was the, was the best. Oh. Um, all, all, all of that was the best. I, I, greatest quarterback of all time, I don't know how you can go against Tom Brady. I just don't know how you can do it, just the success that they've had year in and year out. Um, it's. I just like can't imagine living seen. a life like that. Like, you don't eat a strawberry. At 2 o'clock, we rub cow's milk on our calves. It's like nonstop. 
it's what you see with the greatest. I mean, it's what I, what I saw when I was around LeBron, just doing things that not a lot of people other do, uh, a lot of other people do, and that's what makes him so good. And then most talented. Who most talented? Uh, Is it crazy for me to say that Patrick Mahomes might already be the most talented quarterback of all time? Yeah, he, he's. That's uh, probably a little crazy and a little early. Just, just. I'm a little crazy. You know, looking for some for some longevity there for yeah. sure. But as far as what he has and. You know, the abilities that he has, they're definitely... Um, Who would you say is most talented, though? I'm, I mean, as far as just throwing the ball and, the, and as far as just, you know, watching it come out of their hands and their footwork and how they do certain things, my, my favorite and most talented, is, I still think, is Rodgers. Rodgers. Yeah. Um, LeBron, to be in that city, and for him, you were with his marketing firm and all that stuff and dealing with it... Um, we get a glimpse now because of how social media has changed with Taco Tuesday and all that. We're, and now we're seeing his kids grow up. So we've seen LeBron for so long. Um, but you, you were there when we were still questioning LeBron. What, what, what did you learn from LeBron? What did he teach you just from like osmosis? I just think just how he carries himself and how he does everything. Like, like the thing you were saying about just the little things that you would think that are just so goofy and so um, unnecessary to certain people that, that aren't involved. That, that's just routine for him. That's just what helps him be the best basketball player on the face of the earth every single day. And they had that planned out 365 for the last, you know, 18, 15 years, whatever it's been. Oh, every single day. I mean, pretty much. It probably doesn't change a lot. You know, there's probably days where he has free days, but, you know, five days of the week are probably planned all the, all the way around, you know, yearly. Man. And he was texting you all the time. You guys were chatting. He, he was the best. You know, anything I could ask him or get a chance to go over there and hang out was, you know, a great learning experience for me, just how he carried himself and how he does certain things. And, you know, it was, it was extremely beneficial for me to be around him. You have seen the inside of all of the monsters, man. It's been, it's it, been fortunate. It, are you going to write a book? Maybe one of these days. I mean, I can, I can ghostwrite it for you. I got you, man. I don't know what it's going to... Uh, Growing up a man's out. No, I'll work on something. we got to make it better. Um, was there ever... Um, I think what's really funny is, is I asked this to Barkley and I asked this to Samuel L. Jackson of who, when you were kind of going through your shit, they noticed you and they went, oh, crap. But you in your head were like, this person's noticing me. Like, who hit you with that non-Drake or LeBron? But uh, you were kind of fanboying in the inside. I went to a... Uh Alabama Notre Dame national championship game in South Florida um, right after I had won the Heisman and Vince Vaughn was on the sideline of of the Notre Dame side and I'd, I'd seen almost probably every movie that he's ever been in and it was one of those situations that you just spoke about where he wanted to take a picture with me I wanted to take a picture with him and it was it was really really cool Vince Vaughn so you're a big wedding crashers oh guy? yeah of course are you a big like movie quotes guy um maybe not as much as I uh, used to be but no you know I definitely still have some in the Ace band. Ventura is in my top five movies of all time Ace Ventura 2 When Nature Calls of course classic shut up you don't believe that what's in it's your classic what's in your top five um Happy Gilmore for sure um Talladega Nights are, are oh, up there oh man Shake and Bake Shake and Bake um I'm just looking through my notes you, I thought part of what kind of added to your legacy too was the Alabama game. That's when it blew the fuck up. I'm just curious, have you ever, has Saban ever said anything to you? Have you ever had a cool conversation with him? Because I feel like it was a defining I don't moment. know if there is such thing as like a cool conversation with Nick Saban. Uh, if if so you Nick Saban to were to him. walk into this room right now and come into the casino, it would be like um, there's a dark cloud 
that's following over him with thunder and lightning and like just this dark like that's ominous awesome. like following that comes behind him it's not very big but he, he may be he's by far probably the most intimidating guy that walks into the room he just he has that stigma about Belichick him. they both have that energy where like they don't have to say it but do not mess with me yeah and be, and be careful what you say because there's probably one of those times where you know he may just be like, what are you talking about? And just call you out on it a little bit. I so feel did like, you ever probably. have a conversation with Saban, though? I don't know if there was much of one, you know, just quick, probably in passing. But I just remember him walking into the room and getting that feeling of that, that cloud following him everywhere. Like he was just uh, just powerful. Um, is this a thing anymore? I think it's probably dead. It's fucking dope. It's good though. times, though. Good times. I know. I keep bringing up the old shit. Um, for... What I like to explain to my listeners, too, is how hard it is to be in the NFL. And what you were talking about earlier with everyone trying to fight to get in it, um, that battle, you know, I, can you explain to fans that don't understand because they see guys and they, they lead the league just how fucking hard it is? Yeah, it's just a constant fight. I remember getting into my first training camp and, you know, looking at the roster and, you know, being a young guy hanging out with these guys for the month that you're there in training camp going through it you know I'm sitting there looking at the roster like okay this guy's gonna make the team this guy for sure just based off how they're performing in camp or just kind of you know how I saw them as a player or what I had seen from them in the past um training camp cuts come come around you know two weeks later and probably 20 or 30 of those guys that I thought were 100% gonna make the team weren't there And, and we went with two rookie running backs and went with a you know undrafted free agent receiver two of them and these guys that were played and you don't have a lot of excess spots once the roster gets oh when it gets kind of locked down once it gets down to nothing. 54 you got five or six receivers um you got two or three tight ends you know you have a couple backup offensive linemen but everything really gets shrunk down to to just a small size of what you had you know in camp and it's always going younger it's always going cheaper and um it was a big shock for me after my first training camp, for sure, watching 20 guys who I knew were going to make the team be sent home. And you're just looking around, and you realize the business of it all. Oh, 100%. I knew sitting there looking, knowing football, watching these guys go out and play. Um, you're they like, were it's not make, even close. Oh, it's, it's 100%. I'm like, oh, this guy's been here, had a good year last year, blah, blah, blah. None of it mattered. And we yeah. went with probably eight or nine guys who were – you know, rookies who were cheaper and came in and were younger. I say this to this day, that you had the greatest pro day of all time. I thought it was the smartest marketing, the smartest formulation of it. We went out there, shoulder pads, helmet, hip-hop blasting, get the coaches around in a circle, tell them what you're going to do, because it was so perfect because the whole time it was like, it's Johnny down for football. And you wore pads. Nobody wears fucking pads for their pro day. Nobody wears a helmet. And the music was going. You had it pumped up. I thought it was one of the greatest pro day performances I've ever seen. I think people probably took it in and lumped it in with a little bit of, oh, this Manziel guy's probably just doing more and doing extra like Bullshit. he always was. But it for was me, it was, it was, hey, if I go into training camp or I go into a workout for this team, you know, I'm, I'm not going to ever play football without shoulder pads or a helmet on, right? This is how I'm going to throw if I'm throwing in a game or if I'm throwing in practice. Um, and it was, you know, something that kind of took me a little bit of coming around to. And, and George Whitfield, my quarterback coach at the time, was just um, kind of talked me into it a little bit. So, you know, it was it was a great day. I had a chance to have you know, President Bush there. Our, our he was President there? Bush, he was there. And, and Which Barbara, one, was, W or Herman? W? Uh, no, Herman. 
And so he came just to watch you? Yeah, I got a chance to meet him the night before and um, sat around and talked with him for a little bit. And he ended up coming the next day about, you know, 10 minutes into the workout. You know, the doors open and Secret Service starts walking in and he's driving a golf cart just completely through the workout. Just kind of kind of like he owns the place as he, as he should have. It was, yeah. it was amazing. Uh, I still have people that come up to me in College Station and talk to me about it all the time. Just George Bush rolling in to watch you throw. Just rolling in. Damn, that's awesome. And then... When you see guys like Kyler Murray coming out, you were not like you were kind of a smaller stature quarterback. We've seen Russell Wilson, Baker, Kyler, Drew Brees. Um, it seems as though that's doable now. Like it, I, I felt like we, we were calling them outliers, but now we're seeing it so prevalent. I'm just curious: is it that much harder for a smaller quarterback in the pocket? If you can play, you can play. You know, whether you find lanes or whether you can see over, and I'm sure, you know, being six seven and being able to see over everything is probably a little bit oh, easier. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, if you can play ball and you can make the throws that you need to and see what you need to, um, it, it doesn't really matter. And I think every year that a short quarterback or an undersized quarterback gets drafted, I think it just continues to help the cause for guys moving forward. That you know, if you can play, you can play. Um, to, to the homies out there, the 33% that are listening, um, you've learned a lot in life. And I'm curious, I have a, a lot of guys that are high school, college, they listen to the show, and a lot of them hit me up and they're kind of looking for inspiration. Uh, and I'm curious, what's the message that you pass on to young people? Now, recently it's been, you know, the thing that I've probably learned the most is you get in or you get out what you put into it whether it's, you know, the work you put into the weight room or the time you put watching film or the time you put into, you know, your craft as a whole, you get back what you put into it. You know, I think um, that's the biggest thing. You know, I, I was, you know, blessed with a lot of talent and could have put, you know, more time and more effort into into the main thing that, that would have, you know, paid off longer down, longer, uh, down the road. I still think you're destined for big shit. I appreciate it. And the, the reason I say that is you have your sense of self. And once you have that, you're golden. Because a lot of people are trying to be something their whole fucking lives. You are unabashedly you. And now you're sitting in the wake of you. And I, I, I don't think this journey is over by any long shot. I think you know that, too. I just don't know what it is you're going to do. And I think there's something exciting about that, too. Yeah, I think when everything kind of happened, you know, I was 18 or 19 years old. So, you're a baby. You know, it feels like I've been around for, for a long time. You know, I'm sitting here at 26 years old today. So, you know, some guys get into the league at 23 or 24. So I still feel like I have a window of, you know, opportunity in my age and where I'm at right now to be able to capitalize on. And, you know, it's just waiting on the opportunity to present itself and then make the most of it. What do you think about Eagles fans? I think... Uh, they're as passionate as it gets. Oh, don't play it nice. Are you a Cowboys fan? Uh, I am a Cowboys fan, but I have no, no Eagles okay, hate, no I'm Giants an Eagles hate. Fan. I'm an Eagles fan. I kind of want to put a bet on the Eagles-Cowboys this year, if you're down. I'll think about it. You'll think about it. I don't know if I'm that big of a Cowboys fan. I'm not really like, you know, I'm pulling for them. You asked me who I like this year. I, yeah, I yeah. like the boys, but as far as being a, a fan, you know, after playing in the NFL, after being on a team, I don't know if I'm much of – you know, just a, a fan of any one team in general. Probably more players. The board up there, Super Bowl odds. You've told me you like the Cowboys, but if you had to bet one team to win the Super Bowl. Saints. Saints. I think they're going to take a step back this year. Yeah, I, I don't. I think this is probably, you know, one of their last, you know, good runs that they have in them. And I think the people that they have around with the experience that they do, 
uh, I don't think they'll take a step back. So you believe this is Drew Brees, Sean Payton in a room going, this might be our last freaking chance. we got to get it done. All the stars align. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, look at what's happened to them the last two seasons Holy going into crap, the playoffs man. is is kind of leave as bitter a, a taste in your mouth as, as, as possible, especially last year. It's just, you know, a shock how everything kind of turned out, um, especially with how well I felt they played even in that last game. So they did. And I feel they're on the brink uh, and they've been that way for a while. And, you know, you look back, you get your receiver signed, you get him happy. They, they have weapons around. You have Jared Kamara. Comes in. They, they have, they have some guys. So, um, you know, you look at their division. What is it? Tampa, Atlanta, Carolina and Carolina so all who knows how you you don't really know what's interesting too is I think about Virginia winning the national championship the year after they lose to a 16 seed and I think about the Saints Minneapolis miracle in the divisional round comeback championship game pass interference it would be wild if something awful happened in the Super Bowl to prevent it but I, I think what you're saying, it's sort of like the last-ditch Saints run for a Super Bowl. This is it. Because with Drew Brees' contract and all those other guys coming it's up. It's just unknowns. There's so many unknowns. There's so many forward. unknowns. And he, we talk about Brady being 42. I mean, Brees is right there, too. Yeah, 100%. And I think he's been as good as any guy in the NFL for the last you know, oh. 8, 10 years. It's been, it's been awesome to watch. So I've been a huge big big drew Brees guy for you know as long as i can remember so that's that's really who i'm pulling for uh homies i need you to get into his mentions and celebrate this motherfucker he is a part of the 33 percent now which means we will always have his back uh wherever you go if it's if it is the xfl i might have to put the jersey up in the studio gotcha if it's nfl it's definitely going up in the studio so wherever you go my man we're excited for you thank you brother can i get some noise please for johnny appreciate it guys johnny manzel you You feeling good feeling good homies keep kicking ass keep being awesome and uh johnny manzel is going to take us out do you want to freestyle that's all you baby okay it's all you no i'm just kidding all right homies talk to you later